Giant Falls. Huh? That's from uh, uh, Day of War, Cliff Graham's book. Uh, it's a video comic. It's actually they're making a movie out of it, but that's the movie won't be a comic. But uh, Evan or uh, um, who's Nick Ewing and Adam Haggerty are really involved in that. So if you have questions about that project, touch base with them. But that's what that's from, and we're just kind of using that as we begin our new series on the battle between good and evil. And today we're going to talk about the devil. The devil, okay? And you know, in our society, we've kind of minimized the devil. Uh, some have. Some really have just kind of uh, really made him out to be a joke. A little man in a red suit with horns just kind of dismissed him. Others have, have really put the devil on this pedestal that he's like this powerful God that equals God Almighty. And Yahweh is in this battle. He's found this worthy adversary, so we fear and we tremble before the devil. And many really have just concluded there's no such thing as a devil. And uh, mostly the evil kind of we can attribute to some natural cause. But if you believe the Bible's true, if you believe the scripture is the word of God, then none of these positions can explain the devil or his role in our world. So we're continuing the study as we look at this letter to the church at Ephesus written by the Apostle Paul. And over the next six weeks or so, we're going to delve into this battle between good and evil. And we're going to dig into that. And we're going to ask, you know, is there really a battle? We're going to ask, is there really a devil? What are his schemes? How does this play out? How does he attack us? How do we defend ourselves? And today we're going to look specifically at our adversary. We're going to look at the devil. So if you believe there's evil which all you have to do is look around our world and, and you see evil, then you also must believe there's good. If you believe there's sin, if there's something that misses the mark, if there's something that's not quite perfect, then you also have to believe there's a righteousness. Uh, it's like C.S. Lewis said, you know, if you're going to believe in a crooked line, you must have a straight line to compare to. And, uh, and that's really the essence of what we're talking about. You see, the books of the Bible teach that there's one triune God, there's one God, and he's the ultimate good. And they also teach that there is a devil. There's an adversary who is evil. So how do we know what's good, what's evil? How do we know where to draw the line? How do we know where to cut the cost between the two? Well, we need God. We need the Spirit of God. We can't even begin to understand good and evil without the Spirit. So, Father, we come to you. And we ask that you would just fill us with your power, with your wisdom. Father, we acknowledge you as God, King of kings, Lord of lords, almighty, all-powerful. And so we come from all different places today, and we come before you and ask that you would speak to us. Ask that you would give us wisdom. Ask that you would give us insight. Ask that you would move in our lives. May your truths just explode in our spirit. May we just give you glory and honor and might. And thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, no one likes to be lied to. And really what's worse is when we believe the lie, when we fall for the lie. And so to begin to kind of examine this, this battle that we see through Scripture, this battle that we see in our world between good and evil, we have to first of all kind of discover what is truth. And then we can sort out, really, what's a lie, what's not right. But the truth of the Bible points to this ultimate truth, which is found in God. 
The scriptures point to this God. Okay, he's the source for truth. He's the source for goodness. So we have a choice. We can choose to kind of define truth for ourselves. Whatever you believe is true. Whatever I believe is true. Whatever anybody else believes is true as it want, wrong as they worked for him. And, and we can do that. As a matter of fact, we do that all the time. We kind of pick and choose what we want to believe is true because it feels good. It feels right. We like the way that outcome comes to us. And so we kind of pick and choose. But, you know, I was thinking about like the... The ESPN guys do like, come on, man. You know, come on. Like, what's your real authority to decide what's true? What's mine? I mean, come on. It's really ridiculous when you stop and think about it. Why am I the one that gets to decide what's true and what's false? And why are you? Okay? And, and really, ultimate truth is the self-expression of God. Truth must be as God dis- perceives as true, not what I think is true. And in the gospel that was written by John, he writes that Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Now, some religions come and they, they claim to teach truth. Others come and they, and they claim to be on this search for truth. Join us in our search for truth. But Christ kind of cuts through all that and he says, I'm truth. Right? As a matter of fact, he said... I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now, that's not my idea, okay? That's not what I thought about or what I came up with. That's what Christ claims. That's what God claims, okay? And Christ is where we find truth. Through Christ, we find God who's the ultimate good. So the devil deceives us right away, and he says, Ah, there's many paths to God. There's many truths, right? You just do what's right for yourself. You just kind of choose what you think's best, and you'll all end up at God. All paths are good paths. But Christ in the Scripture would call that a lie. And no one wants to live their life pursuing a lie. We all need truth. So the Scriptures teach that, that love and truth and holiness and grace are personified in Jesus Christ. Right? The ultimate good is found in God. That's what we learn in the scriptures. If we have a personal relationship with Christ, we have God's spirit, and we can know God. Thus, we can know what's good. We can know the straight line. And we can also perceive what's evil, what's the crooked line, if you will. And we also find that evil and pride and deception are personified in the devil. So there's this battle that's raged, and it's raged really since the fall of Satan. And we can kind of see this battle all around us between good and evil. We can feel it. We can smell it, really. And there's like this battle that goes on. And, and, but when we use our, our spiritual senses, when we look at our, our spiritual, uh, our physical world, we fail to perceive that we're in a spiritual battle. Right? There's a story that's going on behind the story. And what's really cool is we're representing God at this time in history, on this planet, in this place. We are representing God. We are representing the saints on earth. Every single one of you who's a believer is representing God on this earth. This is a spiritual battle. And everyone is involved. Everyone is involved. And everyone's on one side or the other. Don't be deceived by the physical. We're all on one side or the other. The Apostle John writes in 1 John, he says, Hey, we know we're children of God. He actually didn't write, Hey, that was just how I said it. 
it says, it says, we know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. And we know the Son of God has come and he's given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And we're in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. He's the only true God and he is eternal life. If you want to find good, you must find the truth. And the truth is found in God. Apart from him, the devil shows all kinds of evil. Okay? So if you have your Bibles or your iPads or iPhones or Androids or anything else, or you can even probably look at the screen, uh, open to Ephesians chapter 6. Okay? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. He gets to this, finally, be strong in the Lord. We're kind of wrapping up this letter. And we found so many truths that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. And really, how, how when we know Christ as our Savior, we're redeemed, we're forgiven, we're sealed, Right? We found out that we're, we're really saints, and we have this eternal inheritance, and it's finished, and we have God's power with us, and he's with us always. We have this incredible life because of his grace. We find that we're new, that we're children of light. We find that we can live in wisdom. We find the Holy Spirit is with us. We find that, that we can be filled with the Spirit. And Paul kind of shows us what our lives look like as we're filled with the Spirit. And we've kind of been looking at that over the last several weeks. We're going to be joyful. We're going to sing. We're going to praise. We'll be thankful. We'll submit to others. We'll submit to God. We'll rest in Him. The Spirit will impact all of our relationships. And what's really cool is we have this great weapon. We have the great weapon which is necessary to win every battle on earth and for eternity. We have God's life. We have God's life in us, believers. Christ lives in me. That's the hope of glory. He lives in all who know him. The ultimate good lives in you. Now, the deceiver doesn't want us to believe that's true. And we're going to look today at the schemes of the devil, but realize, really, the ultimate deception revolves around the life we have in Christ. You see, the ultimate purpose and the ultimate power of our salvation is that we can have the life of Christ. It's, it's way beyond just that he died for sin. It's way beyond that we sinned in the past and Christ came and he's the Savior and he died. It's, it's way beyond this, okay? The ultimate purpose is that we have the life of Christ. He lives in us and he can live through us. That's the essence of the message of the gospel. You see, believers, the life of Christ is in you. And so to live otherwise is a lie. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me, okay? And Paul wrote in Romans to that church. He said, while we we're enemies, we'll reconcile to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You have the life of Christ. Now, all of a sudden, what Paul writes makes sense. Because now all of a sudden he gets to the end of this letter and he says, Finally, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. We have Christ. We have his strength. And you see, the amount of strength isn't really what's important. What's important is the source of the strength. The all-powerful God of the universe lives within you. 
Yeah, he does. And Hebrews tells us, faced with Christ, the devil's powerless. Where does Christ live? In you. See, we're clothed with power. We're clothed with strength. We, we have the strength from God because we have his life. And we don't have to get it. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to pursue it. We have it. The preeminent one. I mean, the creator. I mean, this like Yahweh God who they wouldn't even pronounce his name. This glory, this covering, this incredible God. This all-powerful one is with you. We can rest in Christ. The victory's won. The devil's defeated. We can walk out our days in victory. I mean, seriously. Seriously, we can leave here victorious. We can. And to live this victorious Christ, this victorious life, all we have to do is remember that we are strong in the Lord, that he lives in us. Okay, so the truth then forces us to ask, why is life so hard? Right? It forces us to ask, why does my life suck oftentimes? Why is there so much evil and there's so much sin and there's so much pain? Why is that? And really one simple, simple answer is that we have an enemy. We have an adversary and he lies to us and we believe his lies. You see, we have a choice. Every single one of us. We can choose to believe what God says or we can choose to believe what the devil says. So we got to ask, who is this adversary? Paul writes, he writes in verse 11, put on the full armor of God, which we'll talk about in the coming weeks, that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Our struggles not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We know evil's real. And we know evil takes on the form of flesh and blood, right? We see it played out, but we don't see the power behind the evil. And we need to see the power behind the evil. It's so easy in our society to dismiss the evil power and just kind of attribute evil to natural causes. We just kind of dismiss it and turn it away. We can see evil that's perpetrated, and, and man, we can observe in these people, they have psychological problems, right? Or they... They have physical problems. Or, or we see the environment that they're raised in or the environment they live in, and, they, and, they, and they, they can attribute the evil to that, right? And we kind of discern that, that some people just don't have any morals, or very few, and they just sin. And all of a sudden, their sin and their evil just splatters on everybody around them. But all these causes are part of the issue of evil, but they don't create evil, okay? The books of the Bible teach that behind the scenes, there's an evil one. There's a devil. And he knows how to play an evil heart. There's a devil who's a fallen angel. And there is his demons. And mankind is born in sin. We're steeped in sin. We live in a fallen world. And we're easily swayed by the adversary. Scripture is very clear about Satan's being real about Satan being personal. You can learn from Ezekiel, from Isaiah, from Revelations, from several other books about Satan. We learn that he was a created being. We learn that he was once this chief angel and he directed worship to God. He was beautiful. He was glorious. He had access to God's presence. He was, he was uh, a, a remarkable being. He was not created evil. So don't forget that Satan, though, is a created being. 
And I hope I say that a lot. Satan's a created being, which means what? He's battling the creator. Satan is a created being. Did you get that? And he's battling the creator, okay? And the creator lives in you, believers. Don't ever forget that. The sin that corrupted Satan was really self-generated. He had the choice. And his pride became his downfall. And sin entered the universe through Satan. And all of a sudden he starts directing worship to himself instead of to God. And, and, and he was cast down. He was cast down out of the presence of God. He was expelled from the presence of God with his band of angels who followed him. And Satan wanted to rule over the angels. He's the ruler of demons. He wanted to govern the universe. He's the ruler of this world. He wanted to have the glory of God for himself, and he is the prince of the power of the air, right? He rules the demons that occupy the air around our world. Satan thought he could be greater than God. He's not. He's created. He's thrust down. The creation is not greater than the creator. Did I say Satan was a created being? Okay. He tempts us. His name, Satan, means adversary. The word devil means slanderer. His power is in deception. He tempts. He accuses. And, you know, we're deceived. We're deceived to minimize or to maximize or kind of to dismiss the power of the devil. We must not. We must understand our adversary. He roars around like a roaring lion, but he's not. He masquerades as an angel of light, but he's not, okay? He's a deceiver. In the beginning, in the garden, he tempted Eve. He was not, as we picture, some slithering, disgusting snake, right? He was this beautiful creature. She was tempted by the attractiveness that she could be in control. He, he slithered away as a part of the curse, as a part of the fall. Okay, we have to know our adversary. This Satan is strong, but we have the strength of the Lord. He's wise, but our, our God knows everything. He's powerful, but our God is all-powerful. He's a deceiver. We have the truth. We're to be strong in the Lord. We have an adversary, the devil. So what? So we ask, what are his schemes? That word means, what are his methods? And, and really, it kind of carries this idea of craftiness or, or, or cunning or deception. But we need to know the devil's schemes are logical. They're orderly. It's like this effective argument. The devil's schemes make sense to us. They make sense to us. They're logical. We get it. We think like that. And, and this word was used kind of like a was like an animal that was cunningly stalking its prey, and all of a sudden it pounced at the right time. That's the word for schemes. Okay, just waiting for the right moment. And we need to know our adversary is waiting for the right moment to pounce. He's just waiting. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, he tells the church, hey, don't be ignorant of Satan's schemes. Know what you're up against. And he uses the same schemes that have worked for him on others since the fall of man. But we need to know that the devil has a specific plan to attack you. And it's tailor-made for you. He attacks your specific weaknesses usually with some attractive deception. He would like you to believe, first of all, that he doesn't exist, that somehow God is the author of evil. Well, that's a lie. James tells us, when you're being tempted, don't say God is tempting me. God is never tempted by evil, and he never tempts anyone. 
attribute evil to its source, to Satan, not to God. The devil's this deceiver, okay? He tempts you. He accuses you. He plays on what's in you, okay? What's in me. And guess what it sounds like? You. It sounds like your voice. It sounds like your thoughts, okay? That's how the temptations and accusations come, in your voice. But they're lies. Thomas Brooks wrote a book back in the 1600s, and it's called Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. And you can get it online. It's just online. It's free. It's like 160 pages. But, but basically what he, what he talks about is he kind of lays out ways the devil tempts us and ways the devil accuses us, and then he gives us remedies. And, and the deceiver writes Brooks as he captures this. He tempts us, first of all, when we exalt ourselves. Okay? That's when he tempts us. When we really lower the holiness of God. When we, when we lower the truth of God and we start thinking how great we are. We start thinking we're okay. And, and Satan tempts us, and here's how he tempts us, and see if any of these apply to you. He tempts us by minimizing our sin. Right? It's just a little lie. It won't really hurt anything. He tempts us by minimizing our sin. He tempts us by looking at the sins of others. Okay, especially other Christians who have authority over you or you see as a leader, and he'll, he'll tempt us to look at their sins and say, well, look what they did. Okay, what I'm doing is not really that bad. You see, he tempts us by showing us the bait and hiding the hook. He shows us this really attractive deception. He hides his hook behind it. That's how he tempts us when we bring down God's holiness. He tempts us by making sin look virtuous. It looks virtuous, right? It's just a good investment. It's not really coveting. It's a temptation. He tempts us by saying that God is all mercy. Hey, he'll forgive me anyway. He tempts us by saying it's very easy to stop sinning and repent. He tempts us to be casual with sin. To think, ah, it can't happen to me. Remember, we bring down God's holiness. We're exalting ourselves. We're tempted. It can't happen to me. He tempts us by showing the struggles of other people who aren't sinning in an area, right? And you look at their lives and you think, man, I don't want that to happen to me. Uh, I'm not going to go down that path. That's a temptation. He tempts us to compare, of course, to those who are worse than us. He tempts us to focus on self-righteousness. He tempts us to hurry and encourages us to hang out with bad company. You see, these are some temptations. And, and, and they, we face them as we elevate ourselves, as we reduce God's holiness. So, how does the devil tempt you? We need to know that. Think about it. How does the devil tempt you? The other thing he does, not only does he tempt us, but he also accuses us. And he accuses us when we have this low view of self, when we start lowering God's grace, when we start lowering God's love for us. And he accuses us by getting us to try and remember our sins more than our Savior. Remember, it's in your voice, in your thoughts. I did this, I did this, I did this, right? And all of a sudden, we lack assurance of faith. That's how he accuses us. He accuses us by looking at our circumstances. God must be against me. Look at how horrible everything is. He accuses us by thinking we don't have God's grace. We don't have God's undeserved favor. That's why my life is hard. He accuses us when we sin like we're unbelievers. And we sin and we think, oh, geez, I must not even know God. He accuses us 
when we keep falling in the same areas over and over and over. And we think, I must not be saved at all. He accuses us when we think temptation is a sin. Even Jesus was tempted more than any of us to the max, and he never sinned. So how does the devil accuse you? Find out. Think about it. You see, our enemy wants to kill our joy. Our enemy wants to hide from us the truth that we have life in Christ. Our enemy wants to kill our focus on Christ. He wants to destroy our freedom. This is a spiritual battle that plays out in our world every day. And Satan wants us to focus on me and not on Christ and me. We need to learn how the devil plays us. How he tempts us. How he accuses us. Spend some time. Marsha and I were just going the other day to some friends. And on the way up there we were talking about how he tempts us and how he accuses us. And for each other it's pretty obvious when you ask someone else how he, how he tempts you and how he accuses you. Ask a friend, ask a spouse, ask someone who knows you, and it becomes pretty obvious to them because it's something that we fall into over and over and over, and it sounds like our voice. Figure out how he tempts you. Figure out how he accuses you, and then attribute the attack where it belongs to Satan, okay? Maybe it's rejection. Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe your performance is always lacking. Maybe you think God is always disappointed in you. Maybe you're always comparing to others. Maybe your financial security is the temptation. You get the idea, okay? The devil has a scheme, and it's intentional, and it's specific to you, and it's logical, and it sounds like you, but it's a lie. It's a lie. You have Christ in you, believers. Believe truth. So how do we know if we've succumbed to the, to the lies of the devil? How can we tell? How do we know if somehow we're walking down this path, living a lie, believing lies? Well, one simple way, and it's just a simple way, is that we start complaining about our lot in life. <laughs> you see, when the circumstances in my life start controlling my joy, when they start controlling my emotions, Rather than the Holy Spirit in me, I've been deceived. I've believed a lie. The psalmist said, the Lord is my portion. The psalmist said, he's drawn the light lines in my life that look good on me. They're perfect for me. Psalm 16, right? The Lord knows what's best for me. And the Lord has this eternal view, which is beyond my little limited viewpoint of my eye. And it's not limited by these little few years we spend on earth, this little dot on the screen of life. Okay, God sees it all. He knows it all. And all of a sudden, when we start to focus on our holy, loving, all-powerful, perfect Savior, when we start focusing on this God who's over all and his grace, his grace for us, we rejoice, right? We're in a battle. We're in a battle. We're behind enemy lines. We're in a war day to day. But we've already won the war. Are we going to believe it? Or not? Are we going to live with an eternal perspective? Or just be stuck kind of in the muck of this world? We're to be strong in the Lord. We're to know there's an adversary, know his schemes, but we also have to know what we can expect from the battle. And one of Satan's best strategies is to get believers <laughs> to think there's no battle going on between good and evil. But that word, our struggle, 
is the word for hand-to-hand combat, okay? And, and it's this word for wrestling. Our greatest enemy in this world is not this world we see. Verse 12, one translation says it this way, people aren't the enemy. Whether they be husbands or wives or children or parents or employees or bosses, don't target each other. That's the wrong battle. We represent the authority and the victory of Christ in the spiritual realm. Do you ever think about that? We represent Christ. He lives in us. We're positioned in Christ. And he goes on and he says we target the mind games. We target the structures of darkness. We target the religious thought patterns that govern and and condition our behavior. And we're going to look next week uh, really at our role in the battle and how the forces are aligned against us. But just know that Satan's highly organized. Know he has incredible power, but it's rooted in deception. He can, he can influence, he can tempt, he can accuse, he can impact our thoughts, thus impact our actions. And the enemy desires we spend our time thinking about ourselves, focusing on ourselves or focusing on other people and our, their situations rather than on God. The answer is simple. It's found in Christ in me. And, you know, I know that sounds overly simplified, but it almost kind of sounds demeaning, really. You know, as an answer to evil, Christ in me, kind of sounds demeaning when you think, what, you don't know what I'm going through. But catch this, believers. Catch this. You have the life of Christ in you. You have the created one under the authority of the creator who lives in you. You realize that? The eternal one, the infinite one, the all-powerful one, the perfect one, the one who is overall, the one who is the ultimate good, lives within you. He sees your eternity, not just this moment. He's with you. You have victory. So as we wrap this up, realize we're in a battle. <laughs> realize we have an enemy who's a deceiver. We know his schemes. He's going to tempt us. He's going to accuse us. He's going to attack our thoughts. He's going to attack our selfish desires. He's going to attack the circumstances of our physical world, but he has no power over us. He doesn't flee from my power, but he flees from God's power. In a minute here, Craig's going to read, but just realize something. Satan's not an evil God. Satan's not a worthy adversary for the ultimate God. Yahweh, Almighty God, is not concerned with Satan. The devil is a created, fallen angel. He must obey God. The devil does only what God gives him permission to do. He's on a very short leash. And just pause and listen and think about how the battle ends.
battle ends like in our video comic to start. Our enemy is defeated. Now just imagine. Just imagine what would happen if we left believing that's true. Imagine what would happen if you live your life today really believing what God says is true is true. Just imagine what would happen if you decided to stand on the truth. Yeah, we're in a spiritual battle. Yeah, it doesn't always look good, okay? And the lie's going to be attractive, and it's going to make sense from our, from our perspective. But if we focus on Christ, so if you focus on Christ in you, if you simply choose to surrender to him and to remember who he is, the ultimate good lives in you. Now just imagine living that way. Imagine if we really believed we could do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Imagine if we really believed that the life of God lives in me. Imagine the freedom and the joy and the peace. Imagine how God could use you surrender to him. We can live victorious. It's simply a choice. It's not easy, but it's simple. Focus on Christ as we go through our day. Doing whatever we do. Realize that nothing's more spiritual than anything else, okay? Yeah, it's spiritual when you preach, but it's spiritual when you share the gospel, but it's also spiritual when you go live your life and hang out with your kids. It's spiritual when you go through your day at school or your day at work, okay? It's spiritual when you go enjoy riding your motorcycle today or when you go enjoy the Vikings-Packer game tonight, which could be painful. But, but it's not about circumstances, okay? It's not about your past. It's not about your sins. It's not about how others have hurt you. It's not about your future. It's not about your shortcomings. It's not about your enemy. It's about Christ living in you forever. Father, I pray that we would be overwhelmed with that sense of your truth, that you live within us. God, I pray for each person here that we would just live celebrating the fact that you are God. You are almighty, you are all-powerful, and you live within us. And we'll just give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We have a little hug of Bible, baby dedications after your song. Nick. All right. Are we going to do that now or do this song real quick? Okay. All right. We've got a little baby dedication coming up. But before that, we're going to...